Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I am here with Kevin Mellett. How's it going, Kevin? Good. How are you, Bob? I'm good. Um, so I've been following your work for a very long time now, and I think people who follow Retro RGB probably know you from your Virtual Boy work and from the Dreamcast yeah. link cable. But you've kind of been in the scene for quite a while, doing uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff in, in VR related as well. So would you mind giving yourself a, a quick introduction and just a, a quick overview of what you do? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm Kevin Malad, um, Retro Onyx now these days, but I started maybe seven or eight years ago, just on the Planet VB uh, forums, doing gear for for mainly Virtual Boy. So started there with the link cable and and kind of grew from there. That's kind of amazing. It's been eight years already. Um, and then recently in the last couple of years, uh, especially as part of Retro Onyx, you know, trying to branch into some other consoles, uh, slowly but surely, um, Dreamcast, like you mentioned, and then now with uh, Wonder Swan with a battery pack. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's, I've, I've done a lot more than I thought I would do, but it's been a lot of fun the last few years. Yeah. Awesome. So I just found out that I pronounced your name wrong. It's Malat. Malat. Yeah, that's okay. It's uh, what an fairly common, so I don't even correct people anymore. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I think okay. everybody knows that that's I try right. really hard to pronounce things right, but I always get it wrong and it's okay. super embarrassing. So, all right. Well, thank oh, you. That's fine. Yeah, um, no problem. So, what got you started with with Virtual Boy and VR in general, or was what for the Virtual Boy what got you started with VR? Uh yeah, Virtual Boy. At least back in those days, I think late nineties. Um, well, I first saw him in Circuit City in Southern California, where I grew up many many years ago. That was kind of the first taste of anything, even VR related. Which is VB's Virtual Boy is not really VR, but you know. Back in those days when VR was extremely expensive, it, it looked like a VR headset. It was in 3D, so it was super cool. Um, I ended up getting a Virtual Boy when I was in tech school uh, also in the late 90s um, and started playing around there. And that's when I started in VR, actually. I got my uh, – the first loan I ever took out under my name was a loan to buy a, a headset, a VR headset called the VFX1. So. <laughs> That's funny. What no, was that was, used uh, for primarily? Was that like uh, gaming or was it more industrial applications and just testing? Yeah, it's a, it was a gaming device back then. So uh, VFX1 and eyeglasses were the big ones in the mid-90s. Um, it was made by a company called Forte, which is now Vuzix. They're still doing headsets, the same guys leading that group. So, yeah, we played, uh, God, what was it? Well, Quake, you could play with some patches. Back then, everything was much, much harder. So you had to kind of cobble it all together. But uh, yeah, it, it was still a lot of fun. Jeez, I couldn't imagine Quake at such a low frame rate with a VR glasses on. I, I think I would get nauseous in about four seconds. 
Yeah, you could. Uh, I forget the resolution on that was 263 by 240 over a 30 degree field of view. So it was pretty bad, but it was all we had back then. So yeah, it was fun. That is yeah. pretty funny to see like everything that we did growing up, what we, we had to use our imagination and a little bit of faith to like pretend that it was what it was supposed to be. And yeah, exactly. It just, yeah, it never was. So, yeah, yeah. It's the stuff they have now is amazing as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's light years ahead of where it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the, with the virtual boy stuff, what was like the first thing you modded on it? What was the, the first device that you had made for it? Yeah, sure. That was the, the link cable itself. Um, and I had bought a virtual boy again. I don't know. It's about eight years ago now. It kind of was, you know, Planet VB is where you end up if you're into, you know, Virtual Boy. Uh, that's where all the information is. And and guys who were on the scene building stuff long before I was. Um, and I had seen that there wasn't a link cable still. People were building their own, uh, their own versions. Um, but there wasn't a kind of a clean one or a professional looking one. And I thought, well, I think I could do that. Um, and, you know, got into that didn't have any 3d printers or anything at that time to do it just was farming it all out you know 3d hubs was still around or i think they still are and started cobbling something together and it it, it came out well i i ended up shipping i don't know about 200 of those cables but that was some long hours building cables and pulling pins so. <laughs> yeah i know all about that i don't envy that at all so thanks thanks for yeah. doing that um and the yeah. first game that was able to be used with it was a patched version of Mario Tennis, right? Yeah, um, that one came a little bit later. You know, Hyper oh. Fighting was was out already, and it had link cable support. And that's actually what kind of drove me. Hey, um, if you had Hyper Fighting and two VBs, you, you could play that. Um, and so I wanted to get a link cable. And then later, yeah, Mario Tennis came um, patched. And that was a whole new game. I mean, even my teenage daughter asked, used to ask me to play that, which kind of blew my mind because she's not interested at all. But um, yeah, and then there's a couple of demos by a uh, Planet VB member. He's been a member long time, a dog pee, um, tic-tac-toe basically, and uh, Battlesnake, uh, which were kind of the early tech demos of, hey, how do you get a game to work with the link cable? So. That's pretty cool. You know, my, my timeline's all messed up because I remember seeing Hyper Fighting and I remember it being posted on the site, but at the time it was still, you know, unobtainable. So I think that's yeah. why my brain must have processed the other one first or something like that because I remember getting Richard Hutchinson's, um, the... Why am Flash I... Boy. Flash Boy. Thank you. I don't know why yeah. I, I just yeah. threw a blank. I'm, I'm only yeah. drinking water. This isn't vodka or anything. I'm a... <laughs> like, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember having that, and I could play the demo of Hyper Fighting, but not the full yeah. version and no two-player support. So I remember getting Mario Tennis, and um, and that in itself was an interesting story, because if I remember correctly, people had started poking around in the ROM and found support that wasn't enabled yet. So it was like Nintendo Correct. started building it in, it was completed, and then they just deleted the option when it went to market because they didn't make a link cable, right? Yeah, exactly. That one was found. It was a kind of VB guy called MK, which has done some really impressive stuff on that system. Um, he pops up every few years and then disappears for a few years. But um, he found 
code in that one for for the link cable. Um, and SETI also scoured some of the other um, source codes, but couldn't find anything. But yeah, that's too bad. That's such a fun game. It's just any any basic that game is... with good controls holds up to this day, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even my son likes to play that one. My five year old. He can't quite hit the ball right, but he still likes to take a look and play. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, when I first got my Virtual Boy, my cousin Scott had one when it came out, and he always loved it. And then mm. I found one right about the time that I started Retro RGB, maybe so, maybe about eight years ago now I picked one up. And okay. I, I couldn't beat Mario Tennis. I couldn't even get past the first level. <laughs> and then I realized, yeah. like... But my, my helmet was all messed up. You know, it was flickering in and out. So I took the time to okay. do the, the basic fix for the ribbon, which don't do not do that. Just replace, you know, use one of the new <laughs> solutions. But eight years ago, nine years ago, whenever it was, yeah. um, you know, I, I did that oven trick. And all of a sudden I could beat Mario okay. Tennis. And then I started realizing yeah, nice. I was looking at the wrong depth of field. The eye that was blinking out was the one where I guess it was the front of field. So I was always missing the shot because I was too behind it. So (laughs) it was both annoying and awesome because it just showed how the depth really does get used in that game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the 3D on that system was what I remember uh, when I first saw it in the stores as a kid. I think Red Alarm was the one that they used to play in the demo. I just, I love that concept. Never seen anything quite like that. You know, we saw movies, but... To play a game in 3D, um, that that was not something I had seen before. Yeah, my my closest to that was Space Harrier 3D for the Master System, which was half okay, amazing nice. and then half gimmicky at the same time. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's fun. So after the link cable, what was the next thing that you moved on to? Um, you know, I've done so many things since then. Um. I've done a few cables after that. Um, after the link cable, I think I started doing controller adapters. Mm. Um, and that was mainly for the guys who wanted to play on um, PC, you know, using an emulator. Um, but later it became kind of a thing for uh, Quest emulators as well. And I think that's where most people who are playing around there end up buying those adapters. and. It just takes the VB, it's, you know, it's a very simple adapter. It takes the VB controller and converts it to USB. Um, back then, now I think it, yeah, now it emulates an Xbox controller because that that works, has the best compatibility with uh, with Quest. That's pretty cool. So you were actually able to use this with, you know, a, an original Virtual Boy controller plugged into a PC running your Oculus headset? Um. Plugged into a PC and running an emulator on the PC, or you can plug it um, if you have a USB Go uh, adapter cable. Um, you can run it on an Oculus, yeah. So you can play the Oculus or play VB games on Oculus um, Go or Quest, Quest One or Two, using the Virtual Boy Go emulator, um, and it works well. Yeah, and so the the current controller or the current adapter firmware is updated to basically map to the default Oculus. Um, uh button mapping so yeah very cool i have an hp vive something headset sitting next to me that i've used a handful of times and um the the microsoft interface just is terrible i can't stand it i really Mm. wish there was just a way to like you know load up a game on my pc hit go and then put on the helmet and not have to screw around with the virtual reality you know um 
Yeah. Or like their forum where you walk in, you have to choose your game from there. Like, just make this. I don't understand why they have to yeah. make everything so fancy. Just get me to the damn game. <laughs> so. Yeah. The the window ones are definitely the the most buggy. Um, you know, the other ones are a little better. I think that's why the quest line and everything is going to do so well and is already is, is because it's just you turn it on and it works and you play. You don't have to mess around with software not working or things crashing so it's just a it's easier for for most people well i mean i guess since we're talking about it let's let's skip ahead for a second and then come back but sure. um, what's your experience with virtual boy emulation on those types of headsets and do you think it's good enough is it laggy is it is it a good experience um i haven't played too much of it i've mainly done it just to test the controllers but the virtual boy go one is pretty good on the on the headset um the field of view is drastically different it's much much bigger um i prefer it on the original hardware myself um just because probably i'm used to looking at that um but people like that nice you know bigger wide field of view um lag i don't remember there being too much lag but again i haven't played too much of it on there um i basically tested on the quest and the quest to um make sure everything's working and then probably the game i played the most on there is hyper fighting um mm. and it feels okay i don't know that it feels quite as crisp as you know on real hardware um but it, it's definitely playable that's pretty cool I, and i've always I've always been looking for different ways to experience this because, you know, the headsets aren't going to last forever, especially anything with parts like that. And the last time I tried 3D emulation was a long time ago. I mean, it was, I was definitely still in my Connecticut apartment. So we're talking at least six, but probably more than that. And just using the red and blue glasses on a CRT was okay. It wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And using it on um, a 3D TV. didn't cut it yet so you know there was way too much crosstalk way way more than you would ever get from any tv show and i I just i just kind of after a full day of messing around with it walked away but everybody i talked to says i should revisit all of that stuff now so i'm kind of looking forward to to seeing how other ways you could play it yeah on the on the oculus sets i mean it just works it's a nice they did a nice job you have to side load it so there's a little bit more hoops to jump through I'm not sure if they're on the new Oculus, you know, they have this lab interface or basically a a way to sideload things that's more official, but um, SideQuest allows you to load it up on there. That works well. I tried the TV stuff two years ago and I, I get, yeah, just like you, a couple of days and then I said, okay, I'm done here. It's not worth the effort anymore. But, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you already own a Virtual Boy. At that point, it's like, yeah, exactly. I'd rather just plug the card in and hit, hit power and just start playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Save some time. The one thing I, I noticed, though, is unlike, you know, I guess this is my opinion, so you know, feel free to disagree, but all, the best games on the Virtual Boy and the best experiences I had, the 3D really added to it. So using mm-hmm. things like, you know, I, I love the Virtual Tap. I've streamed with it a whole bunch of times, but playing that on a CRT or a flat panel is not the same experience than seeing the depth looking through the visor. So I'm always thinking of ways to try to reproduce that for when these things can't don't work anymore. And who knows, maybe somebody will come around and do a a Mr. Core for it and offer perfect 3D support for headsets and for TVs or something. I don't know. But I think it's something that you really got to experience it to to really feel it because it's just even that new demo that just came out, Formula V, 
The, have mm. you had a chance to check that out yet? I have, yeah. It's yeah, a nice game. The view when you're going, when you're driving your car over the grate in the road so you can see the uh-huh. stuff underneath the road, that is such an uh-huh. amazing 3D effect on yeah. there. It's really impressive. Yeah, they're doing a great job there. I mean, the view engine guys are pulling out all the tricks and, and putting them in that game. So um, it, it's impressive. I think they could have released it long ago as a game already, but they keep tweaking on it and adding more. So it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, didn't yeah. they add the color blending trick to it as well? So it seems like there's more than four shades of red. Yeah, I know they have it on some of the intro um, scenes or cars, that what they call, I think, high color. Mm. Um, yeah. But it looks beautiful, especially on that. You probably remember that first 3D car that loads up and you get to see it. It looks great on the headset in 3D. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's another thing that, um, at least through the virtual tap, you can't really get the sense of those extra color blending because uh, it uses mm-hmm. the tricks you know, to, of the display itself that's built into it. So you don't really yeah. get to appreciate that just by you know having a recording of it. Yeah, exactly. And back to your question, yeah, the, I mean, Virtual Boy was intended as a 3D system, right? That's that's the strength of that system. So I, I played on TV, I, I, you know, flat screen and and on emulators like on my phone. Um, not typically not more than a few minutes because I just prefer the the 3D, the original, you know, displays. Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah. Um, so some of the other stuff that you've made for the virtual boy. Now you also have, um, you have the link adapter cable and you also have controller extension cables, right? I do. Yeah. Those kind of came after the, the first just BB link cable and then realizing, Hey, I can make other cables. So a lot of the console people want to use the extension cable. Um, so I started doing those. I actually just released, I think initially I did the design, I built a couple, and then I released all the models online and said, here, go, you know, everybody go build your own. Um, But I was getting pinged a lot from people um, still looking for a cable. You know, not everyone can get all the hardware and and print it all and get it all together. So um, I started just making those as well um, so people could get those. And that kind of led to also somewhere along those lines, that time frame someone uh again from the planet vb group on the discord channel um, mentioning hey do you think you could do the the dreamcast serial cable and so i ended up doing that as well yeah yeah the extension cable and the fact that you have the designs out there is helpful for a couple of reasons obviously anybody with a consoleized virtual tap that'll be a big help or anybody mm-hmm. that wants to use um, hyper fighting, but they're they're running their wires all around. So just having a you know a little bit is good. Yeah. But also just having the design for that connector out there, because Shank yeah. uh, Shank Mods just did his Virtual Boy, and he was able to make a level shifter board to basically allow you to make your own controller. So now okay, if, nice. if Shank and, and the crew ever turn that into something, which I hope they do actually, but if they turn that into something yeah. where now you could make your own virtual boy controller, that's what you would use for the output cable. So just grab any other cable yeah. and, and make that. So that was a huge help for, for all of that. And those, uh, the custom sticks are so cool for hyper fighting. Um, I uh, think, okay. Yeah. I haven't tried one yet. Yeah, oh, I've really? 
yeah. uh, it, it changes the whole feel of the game. I took a, a nice. completely broken up Virtual Boy controller. I mean, absolutely unfixable. And I asked my friend Ben from iFix Retro to build it into one of my arcade sticks. And that's okay. how I was able to play Hyper Fighting on an arcade stick. I actually didn't have your nice. extension cord at the time, so it was really tight in the wires, but uh, it was hmm. awesome. I mean, it was. I had that whole event a couple of years ago, and it was just... People were yeah. people were coming downstairs and doing a double take. Like, is that two virtual boys? And like, uh, some pro fighting game players came up, and everybody nice. everybody liked it. Everybody had a good time. Even the few that came up and mocked it at first, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> They're like, wow, okay, so that's using you know this engine of uh, of, high, of you know Street Fighter with these characters, and like they they totally were able to feel it out and enjoyed it. So I thought that was absolutely awesome. Nice. I'll have to try one of the sticks. I've been tempted, but I never quite pulled the trigger and picked one up or, or tried to build one. So Yeah. Awesome. So the, the Dreamcast link cable is another pretty big deal for anybody that's a fan of that console. Um, I did the live stream, which everything went wrong on my streaming setup, which is a little embarrassing considering how many <laughs> okay. pro streamer friends I have. But, but Destiny, uh, I tried every game and it was, it was such a cool thing to experience because I had totally forgotten dreamcast even had that ability at all so um, yeah that one was sorry go ahead yeah sorry everybody we're doing this over discord which always has a bit of a delay so i'm sure we're going to step on each other a couple times during this but um so you said just making these extension cables was kind of what led you to that or just people asking about it but did you have any knowledge of this before did you just kind of get into it because people were asking on um, the Dreamcast, definitely because uh, people were asking, and I forget the username. I apologize because I should know it because he bugged me for almost a year to do it. And I kind of, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm interested, but I'm a little too busy. And I kept telling him I could definitely do it. Um, and then somebody else on the scene started doing them. And then I think they stopped or, or gave up. And then I came back after about a year and said, hey, are you, are you still looking for that? And he's like, definitely. And so I, that was the first time I had ever, um, you know, done anything with Dreamcast. So I bought a bought two consoles, bought a couple of the games that uh, he said would run two player, and then I started making them. Um, that was a great project because it would really kind of push to the limit what I could do with my 3D printer and and with my cable designs. And so after finishing that cable, um, I actually went back and redesigned all the cables that I make. Hmm. Um, so that, that was a great project came out. Well, um, it, you know, it's got some really thin parts that are hard to make on an FDM, but they come out well on my printer. So it was fun. I, I, I'm glad I, I picked that one up, but yeah, that was my first exposure to Dreamcast. That's awesome. I think yeah. I, I enjoyed all of them. I enjoyed the experience, but the virtual on that's the game, right? The, the, like the mech mm. fighter game. I loved yeah, yeah. that one. Mm -hmm. I absolutely okay. loved that. And Tetris, but I mean, that's not fair. I always like Tetris, so that shouldn't, you know, it doesn't really okay. count. But, <laughs> you know, I'd played that game before, but like playing it, you know, linked up where, you know, everybody has their own monitor, playing it against each other like that. I just, yeah. that was such a freaking cool experience. And if I can get a hold of two of the controllers, I'll set up just like I did with the Virtual Boy. I'll set up a mini Virtual Lawn mm -hmm. tournament inside one of, I'll probably uh, piggyback on one of Arturo's other tournaments for that too. Uh, I just, I nice. think that's so cool. And I think that's another thing that once people sit down and actually play it, they'll go, what the hell is this? And then, you know, really start getting into it. Yeah. You know? That's pretty yeah, awesome. yeah, I love that it, it it enables you know stuff that 
couldn't do before or couldn't do easily. I mean, people were making their own versions on that cable too, but it just makes it generally available and, and easier to get, I hope. So, mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. So what did you move? Were there any other cables that you had made for those consoles? I think that was the, um, all of them, right? I did. I've done some Wonderswan ones, although those ones are definitely probably the least popular. Um, but same kind of thing. So after I did Dreamcast, I did a Dreamcast serial to USB as well. And then I kind of just took those two ideas and did them for Wonderswan as well. Uh, initially for Wonderswan, because the community said, hey, we don't have this connector, that external port connector. Um, but an HDMI connector will actually fit. Um, but I said, hey, I can make a proper one. So I designed one and then and then made the Wonderswan cables as well. So it reminds me, I have to release the the Wonderswan model online. It's I usually release them about a year after I do these projects. So I, I think I'm overdue on that one. Which is really generous of you. There's there's nothing out there saying that you should release all of these. And the fact that you do is very, very cool and much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I want, you know, people should be able to use them. It, you know, on most of my stuff, some of it's more complicated. Not everyone can pick it up, but on cables, you know, I think I have most of the models for everything out there, at least on the VB side. So I like to make those available for people who are experimenting themselves and, you know, want to try new, new hardware. It just makes it easier for them. Mm. So what got you into Wonderspawn? Was that a console that you'd had or is that another people kept asking and you jumped into it? It's another, uh, somebody in Planet VB just said, hey, have you heard about this Wonderswan thing? It's from the same, you know, same guy who did uh, Virtual Boy. And I said, no, I haven't. And I resisted for many years and then finally just got one. Um, and, uh, you know, did the VP, did the battery pack for that one. That, that was also, came out, in my own biased opinion, much better than I was expecting. So... Yeah, that was that was also my first exposure. Is is basically some community members um, telling me to hey go check this thing out. And what products do you have now for the Wonderspawn? You have the cable and you have the battery pack, right? Yeah, currently I have the the battery pack, which is the most popular one, and then I have a um, basically the same kind of uh, link cable. Um, that I did for Virtual Boy, but for Wonderswan, those connectors, because it's from the same guys, um, are nearly identical. So I just took the uh, the VB one and modified it slightly to build the Wonderswan one. And then I did a USB one as well. For the, for the USB one, um, it's mainly for people who are buying the old Wonder Witch, which is an old flash cart um, that's mm-hmm. been around a long time. Um, you can get them significantly cheaper on eBay and online when they're missing the cable, um, which is a, a wonder swan to serial cable. And then you need a USB adapter for more, most PCs nowadays anyway. So, um, that cable enables them to, you know, get the flashcard a little bit cheaper and then have a modern cable for it. Yeah. Very cool. Now, if I remember correctly, the battery is it that the battery can only be used with wonder swans with a modded screen or is it uh like w- there was a correlation there right sorry i probably should have researched this beforehand but i, I like oh, to do these okay. i like to do these <laughs> off the cuff because it's just so much more natural i don't want to feel like a, a 1980s news reporter reading off of my sheet like i like to uh, just have the conversation yeah, yeah. so yeah no problem no it'll fit on all the wonder swans it'll it'll work on a regular unmodded screen um all it does is 
give a lot more capacity. So on a on a modded one, they as you probably heard, they draw a lot of power. Um, so I think they last a couple of hours on, on the you know the Wonder Swan only has a default AA. Um, now without a modded screen, that thing runs I forget forty hours or thirty hours. But with a modded screen, it's only a couple. So with my battery pack, it it you'll run about 11 hours with the screen on the minimum brightness um, which is still pretty bright um, and then up to eight hours at max brightness so it just extends it for initially for those people with the ips screens but um you you can plug it into any wonder swan it'll work on the crystal it'll work on the black and white it'll work on the color very cool yeah yeah and did you have other products that you were working on for the Wonder Swan, or just stuff that's still prototype that you're not sure? Uh, still prototype. I I showed that e ink concept, um, kind of building off the Hyperflash 32 uh, card idea um, for Wonder Swan. Um, that's still on paper. I haven't done it yet, mainly because um, I'm somewhat waiting for a color screen of the size that will fit in Wonder Swan. Um, if one doesn't come along soon, I'll probably just do a black and white like I did on Hyperflash. Um, but I think it'd be a lot more interesting to people if it was a color color screen on that one. Yeah, so Hyperflash. Holy shit, dude. Mm. <laughs> like, I loved that thing. I, I think everybody Thanks. probably knows that. But, you know, to have something unique and different for a unique and different console was the perfect fit. It was the perfect test bed. Like that was just such a neat product to have, you know, to have the screen yeah, change thanks. and become the game. And, you know, I yeah. guess for yourself too, you had mentioned that it was a good stepping stone between just having a fully functional ROM cart where you do everything from the virtual boy. So it was kind of like, you know, you got to play around with a bunch of different things that you wanted to do, but I just, I think that thing, this is absolutely awesome. What kind of yeah, what, thank you. What kind of gave you the idea to do that, or is it because you were always just messing with e-ink screens anyway? Or um, I had saw an e-ink screen. So part of my day job, I'm an I'm an electrical engineer, R and D guys. Um, a lot of that is just kind of looking around to see what's out there that I can incorporate in products. So I've kind of taken that same concept to um, my retro gaming projects, and so I had come across an e-ink panel. Um, and said, Hey, that is kind of about the size of a, of a virtual boy label. I wonder if I could do anything there. Um, and that's kind of how I got started with, you know, I had, I'm not an artist, so with very bad graphics and graphics that weren't tuned for the screen, but eventually community members started creating stuff specifically for the screen. And that's when people just started really, you know, uh, liking it and, you paying attention is when those community members did that. And, and it, it's amazing. Some of the, the artwork they've done, it, it really, um, it really shows well on a screen that really has some, you know, limited capability, but. Yeah. yeah I remember you had that contest before the Hyperflash was released and yeah. were posting their designs and it was just, I didn't, I didn't for once doubt that because the virtual boy community gets really pumped up for stuff like this. So I knew the mm -hmm. talent was out there, but I didn't know I didn't realize some of those things could look that good. So I guess I wasn't doubting yeah. the talent. I was doubting the screen combined with people, you know, utilizing it. And a lot of those labels just look absolutely killer. Yeah, they did an amazing job. I mean, you know, that screen is a four grayscale black, white screen. So you think, Oh, that's, that sounds old. You can't do much with it. And 
some of the initial imagery that I showed, I was like, eh, okay, it's not that great. But some of the stuff that came out of that contest was just blew my mind. So yeah, they did a great, great job there. Well, if yeah. there were ever a team of people that you needed to concentrate on four shades of one color, it would absolutely be the Virtual Boy community. So that's true. That certainly worked yeah. in their favor. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did such a such a good job there, is they're used to that palette or you know being limited. But yeah, Mumphy, I ended up, um, yeah, I did that ink contest, um, and I was going to pick one winner. We ended, I ended up picking up three main winners plus follow on prizes just because I was just so blown away with people that done, had done art there. And then, uh, one of the members, Mumphy, um, actually I've hired him now to do a bunch of stuff for me, but, um, he did the first complete set for the black, white, um, screen of labels, which all look fantastic. Cause I wanted to have kind of a a uniform set or a, a theme set that all kind of matched. Um, so he did that and yeah, it's just amazing. And then other people have come on since then to do the, the red screen. So yeah, it just looks, it looks great. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I have to pause for a moment. Um, I'm just assuming that everybody listens to this knows what that is, but the Hyperflash 32 is a ROM cart that's one ROM at a time. So you have to configure it before plugging it into the Virtual Boy. But instead of plugging it into your computer and using software to load the ROM, the e-ink screen lights up and you use haptic touch controls to select and load your game. Yeah. And the only <laughs> thing that's needed is any USB power, anything. You can connect it to whatever. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and then it just basically becomes the game, both as a ROM cart and the label, if you want to use the label of the game on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, feature creep in that project, but I, I'm not sorry about any of it. <laughs> Me neither. Now, you had said you were looking into different color e-ink screens, and I, I follow you on Patreon, so I've been following all of the updates. You found different colored screens that you were messing with, so yellow-based yeah. screens, you know, and then you had ones, I think you recently found one that was full color that seemed very promising, um it, yeah what are the the future plans for that do you have any any thoughts or have you discovered any new stuff coming out that you think would be a good fit yeah yeah so the, it initially um the hope was always to get to full color um but i think covid and a lot of the material shortages that people have heard about in the electronics industry have kind of um pushed those off until next year um so in the meantime i did the yeah the the red screen was the first one obviously a a at perfect fit for virtual boy with, with everything being red. Um, and then I did the yellow ones just because they had a yellow version. Um, colors, full colors always where I want it to be. It just wasn't ready yet. And so, um, I do have a couple of panels from a, a few vendors that are full color. I actually just got a full color one, um, that, uh, will fit hyper fighting 32, at least size wise, the electronics have to be updated but it's full RGB e-ink um, and it's, it looks very impressive. So um, I hope to bring those either to a V2 or maybe a, a you know, a true multi-cart. Um, the full VB multi-cart's always been the end game. Digital labels make less sense there, but um, I, I like it so much. I may just put it in anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I think, that's such a neat option. And I think that there are definitely people out there that just want the cheapest possible way to run all homebrew on their virtual boy. But I just yeah. think anybody that's seen one of these, you know, even if you fire up the virtual boy and you select your game that way and it loads, 
when you take the game out, having the a full color label on there is just absolutely killer. I mean, that's I would like to personally see that on all ROM carts. Now, unfortunately, that would mean you would have to have a full color e-ink screen in the exact same size as the original label that folds over the top. So I don't think we're going to yeah. be seeing that anytime yeah. soon for most of those. But I just think that yeah. would be, you know, if there were two options, if there were the $150 option and the $250 option for my favorite console, I would absolutely buy the one where the label turns into whatever you want it to. So All right. That's probably good not for that. every console, but yeah. for my favorites, no doubt in my mind, I would want that. I don't yeah, think they the have screens... foldable e-ink yet, right? Uh, no, they're doing that with OLEDs. Uh, you've seen that probably on commercial phones, but I haven't. There are e-inks that you can form to a shape, but um, is there a full color one? No, they're, you know, they're doing the fixed glass panel type of structure like they do now. Um, will they be in the future? They may be, but yeah, I'd love to bring it to other consoles. That's why I showed the Wonderswan concept one. Um, I, I'd, I've looked at things like Vectrex. I've looked at other systems. You know, um, Game Boy would be one that there's a panel that's about the right size. Um, so uh, a lot of them are, you know, a lot of the systems, the first thing I do is, okay, is there a screen that would make sense there? And, and some are not and some are. Um, they'd be fantastic on systems like, you know, top loaders like Super Nintendo where that label's always right there in your face. I'd love to do one of those. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think there's room for stuff like this, but especially wherever there isn't a ROM cart that has either not at all for that console or doesn't have the more modern features of it. You know, I would, I would always say start there just because there's a whole bunch of people out there wanting something like that. And they're just, aren't any options or, or there aren't yeah. available as enough for everybody, in which case that means the market's big enough for more than one person. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I do like to start with those smaller niche systems. Um, maybe that's cause I started VB, but um, you know, <laughs> if I see a space where I think I can do something and there's nothing there, it's usually more motivating. Um, and I like to have these, these twists on the designs, right? Like the ink and the haptic and I don't know why I put cap touch in there, but we, it's there. Um, it's fun. Um, but I like to attack those systems first. I, I, I'm not all that interested in duplicating what other people have done. Um, you know, let them do it. They can probably do it cheaper than I can. So. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. So for the virtual boy, you were also talking about, releasing a lower cost version just to for people that you know wanted something that's cheaper are you still pursuing yeah. that or is the part shortage really messing with it uh yeah i still pursued that so i have a sold out batch of what i'm calling hyper boy it's basically flash boy but 32 megabits so it'll fit the full hyper fighting rom um and it'll fit some of the larger size uh, file sizes of, of formula v um that one is I forget the first batch was 135, so a little higher than I wanted it to be, but it's still cheaper, and that was the whole idea there. Um, but I had to also do something unique there um, to make it a little fun on the design side. So that Hyperboy has full aluminum front and back panels, so it has a real kind of premium look and feel to it. Um, and all those parts are in. I, I I'm starting to build them now. I'll probably have the the first one up and running in the next few weeks, um, mainly just a little bit stalled 
because of, I'm just so busy, you know, shipping hyper flash units, but everything's in and, and that's moving forward. I'll, I'll probably do a second batch and, and that'll be it for that design. Um, just because it uses some older parts that now with all these part shortages in the industry are just nearly impossible to get. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so that makes sense. And what's the, the end goal is just eventually move over and finish up the multi-boy 32 and then kind of either phase these out or come up with a different low end, not low end, a uh, low priced option uh, for people yeah, yeah. that don't need all the extra features. Yeah, the multi-cart was what I was working on actually. And then I paused to do hyper flash and it, two reasons there. One, because I kind of had this, got this e-ink screen bug in my head. And then the second one is it, the full playable ROM had leaked on the on the forums of Planet VB, so I thought this is a perfect time. Let me switch over. This will be fast, and I'll get it done quick. Well, it took me a year to finish the design <laughs> yeah. because of the firmware and everything else. And now we're two years um, since that first started, so it wasn't as quick as I thought. But um, you know. The, multi, the full multi-car is where I've always been going. So I hope this coming year, I said that in 2021, um, I hope to do it in 2022. And yeah, I think that cart will kind of, will eclipse the others um, most likely. But And are you, obviously right off the bat, um, actually no, which would be the first one that you released? Or is that going to be dictated by part shortage? You know, are you going to go all in and do a color e-ink screen with the multi-boy and all that? Or, or would you just go with like whatever is the cheapest way to make that happen, which still isn't going to be cheap, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to do it two ways. So I, because of the additional cost of the color screen, they're going to be more expensive than even the panels that I use now is I think I'll do two versions, one with screen and one without. Um, and I think that makes the most sense. So I can continue if it, you know, people that really like the ink idea and, and and like that can add that as an option. Um, and people who don't and just want a real BB multi-cart, which is, you know, what people have been asking for for a long time, they can do that and, and maybe save a little bit of money. Mm. That, that makes yeah. perfect sense. I would also suggest launching them or at least launching the pages for them at the same time. Because one yeah. complaint that I often get is when one thing comes out and then the next thing comes out and people were upset because if they had known, they would have bought one or the other. And very often yeah. it's that they would have bought the more expensive one if they had known. So that kind of would help everybody, including you, to just like when that time has come, unless there's yeah. like a giant development um, uh, hurdle that you would have to get over. I would still at least announce them both. Like, here's what's happening today. Here's what's coming tomorrow or, or open yeah. pre-orders for both. But other than that, I mean, I think that that's exactly what everybody's been looking for is just some kind of very basic multi-cart, you know, load all your ROMs, select it right from the virtual boy, but I will definitely yeah. be buying the one with the e-ink screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, um, so the base design there will be e-ink and it'll just be an option, I think, to get one without a screen. You know, the Hyperboy firmware is built off HyperFlash too, and it's it's not too difficult to basically disable the e-ink portion of, of the design. Um, HyperFlash, I didn't intend to do this many batches of HyperFlash or be working on it this long. It just was, I think, because people were surprised by the screen and the digital label concept, it, it's, it's been much bigger uh, than I expected it to. But, mm. yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny too because anybody who's buying your work now, um, well, I'll, I'll choose my words carefully. Any big Virtual Boy fan who's buying your work now will absolutely buy the next one because they'll be able to use it for <laughs> you know the two very good two-player games now. But I'm also hoping that the Virtual Boy community will will ha- come up with some more homebrew with two-player support. So having having two ROM carts for the VB is actually something that a lot of people, a lot of enthusiasts, would be interested in. Yeah, I hope to see that too on the the more two player games. There's not that many, as you know. Um, Formula V has official res- support for Link Cable, um, so that's awesome. I actually haven't tried that yet. I, I guess I should. Um, but yeah, I hope to see more. I mean, uh, on the Link Cables, and I still do this occasionally for for VB developers, depending on who they are. But I gave away a lot of free VB Link Cables to people who said they were developers. Um, I later found out that not many of them are actual developers, but I, I tried to help kind of seed that and, and motivate people whenever I can. And, and I'll continue to do that, especially in the virtual voice space to, you know, help it grow. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry. There's always the scumbags out there to take advantage of it, but you know, I, I'm sure more good is going to yeah, come okay. out of that than anything else. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So from a a developer's point of view, and I'm not asking for secret sauce here or anything like that, but just from a development point of view, what's the difference between the HyperFlash 32 and the MultiBoy 32? So the interface on the Virtual Boy itself, loading the ROMs on the Virtual Boy versus the haptic controls, like um, what, you know, what's the big hurdle to to do that? So there's a couple of things on uh hyper flash is um well the main thing it's missing is basically the buffers um on the front end bus so you can't hyper flash 32 can't do an on-screen menu and then disconnect and flash and then start a game because the v some of the vp um bus of the console itself is always driving those lines so you get what's called bus contention and bad things can happen potentially um I almost put it in HyperFlash. Maybe I should have, but it, there were a lot of other risk items at the time. I almost put those buffers in there, but I didn't. Um, so a multi-cart will have the front-end buffers, and many of the these buffers are also translators, and you'll see them on on uh, you know multi-cart designs for other systems. Everybody's using the same parts. There's not that many to choose from. Um, but basically, you can isolate the console and then flash and and do a true multi, you know multi-cart type of cart um the other thing is hyper flash the processor's a little slow um initially i had a much faster one and i just dropped back to one i knew um because i knew i could do the development there and there wouldn't be much issue um that's one thing i really wish i didn't do and i i would have kept the faster one so um, a multi-cart for VB will have a much, much faster processor. Um, they're two or 300 megahertz, which is kind of funny thinking about what it's plugging into. But um, they're cheap now and they're super fast. And, and you kind of need that to do a really fast um, you know, multi-cart interface. So that is speed of the interface. And is it also speed of the game loading itself? That's mainly where you need the speed is, yeah. So um, to be able to swap out those ROMs quickly um, and, and get them off the SD card and, and flash. So the two slowest pipes really are um, getting the data off the SD card and then programming the flash. Um, so on HyperFlash, it's basically doing it as quickly as it can. We um, 
one planet VB member and people who follow me, at least on the discord are well aware of this, that thunderstruck has helped me a lot there on firmware. And we've played a lot of tricks to, to optimize the firmware loads and programming on Hyperflash to, to get it to run faster than it normally would. Um, you could still play those games with a faster processor, but with the kind of processors that you can buy now, the, you know, arm based microcontrollers, um, it'll be so fast. It, 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 you know, you may not even need to play tricks like that. Very cool. So not near instant loading for games as opposed to, you know, up to a minute and a half for the larger ones then. Right. Exactly. So, um, the multi-cart should have be about 10 times faster, maybe more. Um, and then instead of a flash, um, we're going to load a PS Ram. A lot of the multi-cart guys are doing this. They're basically loading off SD into a PS Ram, um, because it's significantly faster, um, and you can get much faster load times. So, um, that's at least the initial idea. Hmm. That makes sense. And then with something like that, when you power off the console, the ROM is deleted from the, the Ram, but it's so fast to load it doesn't really matter yeah. because you're not waiting there for it. It makes total sense. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why they do PS RAM because it's just incredibly fast to, to reload. So if you have the microcontroller to do that, then it's just, that's what makes the most sense to do. Mm. Now yeah. with the, the USB port on the Hyperflash, um, I know that's mainly for development tools, but has there been any, any weirdness or, or any cool things that people have figured out what to do with that? I, I vaguely remember a conversation about people with two Hyperflash 32s might be able to link it through USB instead of the link cable or something. Is that Was that ever anything yeah. that, that transpired? No, nothing. Yeah, it's mainly for development. Um, nothing tricky there, mainly because we don't allow it over firmware. Um, the main thing it's used for is to hook up to Thunderstruck's Hyperflasher GUI, um, and you can do firmware updates. So um, all the firmware updates for Hyperflash 32 are, are pushed through Hyperflasher and Thunderstruck um, because it's just an easy, convenient way to do it. He has a GUI, helps you out with the labels, um, helps you, you know, it just helps you set up the SD card in general. Um, there is a whole interface there, though, that not many people use, um, which is why we call it developer. Um, it, if anyone who's used my programmer, a uh, little mini programmer, um, basically that whole interface still exists. So you can send ASCII commands. Basically anything you can do with the cart, you can do over USB. And um, Hyperflash, you, Hyperflasher uses some of that to, to do the firmware updates. And, and Thunderstruck spent uh, quite a bit of time optimizing that to interface with his GUI. And that's kind of what is the base for Hyperboy. Um, so there is stuff there. It's just not, you know, some of its command lines. So some of the developers use it and, and Thunderstruck has a command line interface specific tool for that as well. Um, but for the average person, they, they don't need to, they don't need to use the USB for, for anything but power. Yeah. I mean, when I tried the formula V demo, I took the SD card out, plugged it into my PC's SD reader, loaded up Hyperflasher and got the, uh, the, label set up for it and then okay. i was like well i'm already there so right, let me just plug it in uh, plug in directly to 
um, the ROM cart and I saw a firmware update was ready. I pressed a button and, you know, it's okay. done very quickly. And it just, it was such a seamless process. I just appreciated it so much. There was no weirdness. There was no load this, wait for that, enter your serial number, you know, count to 10 standing yeah, on your yeah. head. It was just, you plug it in, you hit yeah. update and you're done. And I just, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Thunderstruck did a great job. I mean, he drove all that. Um, the only thing that sometimes happens is people will, there's a different version for the color screens versus the black and white screens and they'll load the wrong firmware. So then labels get a little messed up. Uh, hopefully we'll clean that up in the future because the, you, the cart knows what kind type of screen it has. Um, so it should get even simpler, but yeah, he's done a great job there. But that's not a safety issue. That's just the workflow issue. So if somebody loaded the wrong firmware, yeah. it's not going to blow out your screen. It's just going to look weird until you no. put the right firmware back on it. Exactly. Yeah. It just doesn't display the, the labels correctly, but it, it's still functional and you can recover from it. Cool. Yeah. That's always good yeah. to know because I think anybody who's dipped their toes into nerdiness has run into at least one situation where it's like, hold your breath when you're updating that firmware. Cause if it breaks, you're screwed. So uh, glad yeah, to yeah. know that that's not, yeah. uh, that's not the case. You can't, you know, you're not going to flash the wrong thing on it. Yeah, no, the, um, the black and white screens and the color screens are all based on the same base electronics. Um, obviously on the hyper flash end, but also on the ink panel itself, there's a little processor in there. So um, that's why I'm able to do the colors and the black whites because the, the base interface is all the same. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, anything else that you've got that you've been working on? Anything else you've been designing? Cause uh, I've been following your work, but I just, you know, there's so much I often forget of what's in the pipeline. Yeah. I started a few things this year. Um, you know, I did a VP rumble pack, which I sent out to developers and they actually developed a few demo games. Um, Formula V from the view engine guys has rumble pack support. Um, Thunderstruck did one um, drawing a blank. Why am I drawing a blank? But he has support for one um, captain Sevilla, which is a demo um, mm -hmm. from the view engine guys also has it. Um, and there's even um, someone modified a red alarm ROM for me to add basic haptic. It was kind of a test of, hey, could we potentially patch existing games to add rumble packs to the controller? And um, it's an early version, but it works. When I bump, you know, when the red alarm spaceship bumps into the walls, my my controller vibrates. So um, I really wanted to have that out this year, but I just got so bogged down in, in shipping HyperFlash and and then the Wonderswan battery packs that I kind of had to pause that. But um, so I hope to finish that out, in, you know, in this next coming year as well. Um, there's also a Virtual Boy, a VB Wi-Fi adapter that I did. And <laughs> um, it's there's somewhat of a joke in the Discord that Understruck likes to say a lot um, or occasionally is that a lot of Kevin's projects start out as a joke. Be careful. He'll actually build it. <laughs> um, so the... Uh, the VB adapt, the Wi-Fi adapter is one of those. So Thunderstruck has one. Um, we just haven't finished the firmware on it. Um, and I forget if I sent one to the View Engine guys or not. I may have just said we were going to, but hadn't done it yet. But um, we want to show just some basic demo of a VB connected online. Um, and that was the idea there. So I hope to finish up the firmware on that one next year too, so that the 
when when I say devs, I I typically mean software developers um, can do some sort of you know connected online demo with the virtual boy. I think it would kind of blow people's minds. Yeah, what's what would be the context? So would it plug into like the uh, two player expansion port, or you know the link cable, or would yeah. it plug into the uh, the controller port, the, the cartridge port? Like, how, what what do you what are you thinking this could be done or could be done with this? This one was to plug into that link port, so in place of a link cable. Um, and initially, a lot of the ideas were just, hey, if we had a link cable that plugged in, you know, plugged in online, what could we do there? And there's some limitations there, but that was the easiest way to get started. So I think you'll see some demos there first. I know some people are putting, you know, Wi-Fi radios inside flashcards, which I think is an awesome idea. But um, Me too. we'll start with the link port first. Yeah. I mean, yeah, start with that to, um, I, I'm about to feature creep your product. I could feel it, but <laughs> start out with <laughs> that. Again. But if you imagine the multi-boy 32 with a Wi-Fi chip in it, um, and imagine if on the top you had a custom little slot that you could plug in a cable that also plugs in like a short little pigtail that plugs into the expansion port. So that would yeah. enable the potential of people not ever having to have an SD card or just a basic one in there and just whatever game or whatever homebrew is on their home server, you can just create a share and connect to it, which, you know, if yeah. you, if you load up a bunch of games, that's, you don't need that. But especially if you're a developer or somebody who's always trying new ROMs, that would be helpful. But then to also yeah. have that corresponded link to the two player adapter. So you could have two virtual yeah. boys connected to the same network, you know, each of yeah. them running off of Pretty that. Funny. That would be a really awesome idea. I love that. <laughs> yeah, the wireless has been a, a request many, many times. Um, I love the idea. It's can I get it on the cart and and can I keep the bomb cost low enough? Um, that's why we were thinking, hey, let's try out with this adapter. Um, what kind of things you know do the software developers? What kind of things can they do with it? And then if that proves out and makes sense, then it. it it's a great test bed for, Hey, should we pull this into a cart or not? Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. absolutely love to see Mario tennis two player with the, uh, rumble pack support. So whenever you hit the ball, or your controller <laughs> rumbles and being able to somehow yeah. play that online across the internet with somebody else who's playing, you know, who's got their own. I could, I guarantee you, if you come out with this, destiny and I would be the first two people to buy it and we would be streaming <laughs> it that night. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. You've probably seen the the guy that did the uh Game Boy Tetris one with a uh high high board, right? And he was I able do. to basically stack yeah, smashing, cool. I believe. I have that sitting okay. right here in a pile of projects that I need to get to that if I started nice. now might take me a year to finish. So I have no idea <laughs> when I'll be able to get to that, but I'm absolutely looking forward to, to messing around with that at some point. Yeah, it'd be awesome if it, some of us have talked about, you know, in the background, uh, um, you know, could we apply that same kind of concept to VB? And I think you could. We just, nobody's tried yet. That's really interesting. I would love to see something like that. And, you know, yeah. Virtual Boy community is small, which is, is good for a couple of reasons. You know, there there's people that are willing to test this stuff and work through it. And, mm -hmm. you know, when, when bugs do happen, it's a small enough community that people understand, like, no, this is still in beta, so don't worry, you know, we'll work through yeah, it. Yeah. 
But that allows both a fun experience. It also it would allow you to take whatever you've come up with and apply it to a bigger platform afterwards because you've already got a lot of the alpha <clears throat> bugs worked out. So, heck, I mean, if this could if this could lead to you know wireless Game Boy ROM carts, so you, same thing. Like you plug the little uh-huh. uh, little cable, so now you're in the same room with somebody doing that, or even over the internet. Heck, that would be pretty amazing. That's another product I think a lot of people yeah. listening would buy. A Game Game Boy ROM cart with a color e-ink screen that turns into whatever game that you're playing with a little connection uh, on it that goes into your link port so you could be playing against uh, online against people with original hardware. That'd be killer. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to bring the ink concept there. And yeah, all, all these things I do on all these projects are kind of usually built on past things that I've done and then add one or two more components that I'm basically testing out for, you know, something in the future. So, um, yeah, I would love to do all kinds of stuff like that. So we'll see what happens this, this next year. That's pretty cool. Um, to cycle back to the rumble pack thing for a moment. So what do people need to do in order to add support to existing games? So they would need to be able to, do they need to disassemble the code of the game or are there different tools that are out there that people might be able to discover what's in there in order to, to do this themselves? I think for existing ROMs, it, it's going to be hard. You're going to need a, a certain kind of programmer, which there are a few on the Planet VB discords. And um, in, I think it's, I'll probably mispronounce it, but enthusi, um, is how I usually say it, but um, he does a lot of firmware work Um virtual boy and roms um and he did a he did the red alarm um basically hack or update for me just as a proof of concept so um i think you're going to need people that are pretty into it to to know how to do that for existing roms but for homebrew the view engine guys are are baking the interface or some of the code um into their view engine platform so for homebrews and any new versions um, especially if they're using the view engine as as their base, um, it should be pretty easy to add support. That's good news. I mean, there's obviously yeah. some some bigger named retail games like Wario. It would be nice to have Rumble, like whenever you jump on somebody <clears throat> or anything like that. But yeah. I'm, I'm also yeah. really interesting to see, interested in seeing what the homebrew community does. Um, and, you know, I'm also... There were a bunch of ports to the Virtual Boy that were kind of half done, and I'd also love to see mm-hmm. those finish up, especially with the the new engine being produced for it. Because there was the Mario Kart one that was pretty good, yeah. You know the F Zero yeah. one, that, and and even like the Game Boy emulator that was made for it. I would love to mm-hmm. see somebody, uh, you know, try to make it more game specific. So maybe in general it works fine, but you combine the two to get a better performance. Whatever you know, like a pick a game and have it focused on that to get more performance out of it. I think that would be pretty amazing as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of those, those demos online. VB is the land of, of demos for, for games. Um, I think cause it's just, it's a lot more effort to develop some of these things than people realize. So, um, you know, it takes thousands and thousands of hours uh, for some of these guys. So it's impressive that guys like Thunderstruck or, or the and the View Engine team guys have as many demos as they do because it just yeah it takes a lot of hours to, to to you know get something out that that looks and plays well. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So this might be a really stupid question, but you know in 
the NES, you had the different chips on the cartridges themselves that could enhance audio and video. On the SNES, we obviously mm-hmm. had Super FX, SA1, you know, the, the, the one chip game on the uh, Genesis, Virtua Racing. Is it possible to do something like use whatever processors on an upcoming ROM cart to offload some of the processing? So to, to have something on there yeah. so that like the Game Boy emulator runs at a much faster speed because it does some of the processing there instead of on the Virtual Boy itself. Is there possibilities yeah. for stuff like that? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, that's a great question. Um, a few of us have looked at that many times. So uh, the Virtual Boy has this expansion space that was designed specifically for that kind of stuff. Um, it was never used by any game. Uh, the View Engine guys and myself um, put extra SRAM on that space um, so that they had a lot more SRAM to play with on a particular... Um, it was actually a Formula V. Uh, well, actually, no, they were testing video. But anyway, um, that's that expansion space is, hasn't really been used by anyone and so we've talked a lot about putting accelerator chips out there um one of the things we're going to try on the multi-cart and i think i can combine all these is um we're going to put an interface there that can talk directly to the mcu so that the game will have access to the mcu Um, because these arm microcontrollers are ridiculous in terms of horsepower and they have full floating point processors and everything there um we want to put a bus interface there so you could basically offload calculations for the MCU to do while the VP is doing other things. So it, it'll act as a co-processor. Um, or you could do things like, you know, EverDrive's doing it where they have, you know, FPGA acceleration sitting on cart. So I'll, those things are definitely possible. Um, nobody's really just done it yet for VB. That's really exciting because I just I remember the first time I fired up that emulator and I think I played just basic Super Mario Land and I I just saw so much potential. I loved the 3D depth. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just it was obviously just the speed of it that was the issue, but it I mean, exactly. that was so impressive and that you know that immediately opens up the library to hundreds of awesome games and, and you know yeah. so I, I realized the ports are just ridiculous amounts of work and while i would while i would love to see like the Link's awakening port or something get get finished up it's just yeah that's asking so much whereas being able to provide developers with a a chip that you could offload the power onto and then having the emulator writer tweak that i think while that's not easy uh, by any stretch uh, it's infinitely easier than trying to port a couple of games over from one platform to another so yeah yeah i think the We'll try that when we do the multi-card. Um, you know, even on HyperFlash, when it's plugged in, that microcontroller is just sitting there dormant because it's not doing anything when it's plugged into the platform. So we're going to try and leverage that fact and, and try and get it to do some calculations. So hopefully we'll see some stuff in the coming years that, that do exactly that. That's awesome. Are there any yeah. other hidden things about the Virtual Boy that nobody's really tried to, to capitalize on? Um. You know, that's a great question. A lot of it, at least from my perspective and and the cart side, is just that expansion space. Um, There's a lot more memory that could be available in VB carts that just never has been. Um, You know, the biggest default game, um, at least a release game, was 16 megabits. But you can go up to 128 megabits, Hmm. both in the ROM and the expansion space. So you can have quite a bit more memory. I had 256 megabit carts um, at one point 
and it went out to a few developers. So there's a lot more space there. I think there's a lot of games to play on the accelerator on cart. And you're seeing people do all kinds of stuff like that now for other systems, just because the the processing speed is just so available now and cheap. Um, assuming you can buy the part these days, but it, it used to be available. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the link port is pretty much unused except for the, you know, two player cable. Um, so you can do all kinds of things there. Although the, the, the interface speed there is much slower. Um, so you'd get a lot more bandwidth if you just did it directly on card via the expansion space. So, um, hopefully we'll see more of that as, as we go on. Uh, we certainly tested a lot of it. It's just, you know, there's no killer application or game that uses really any of it yet. There's lots of testing that we do. Do you know how the audio works in virtual boy games? Is it sample based? Um, does it use chips on the virtual boy? Cause the audio quality was always a bit lacking on that console. Yeah, that's probably what I know the least amount. Um, I know there's a chip on there, um, and it's what I hear from the de- software developers. It's difficult to use. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, no one gets upset by that. But I, I believe that's true, at least from what I've seen. Because I, one of the things I often get asked about is, "Hey, can you put an audio chip on the uh, cart? Because the audio passes comes into the cart, but then it's just looped right back out." Um, so they want to have some sort of chip on there so that they can, you know, play games with sound there um, that are a little bit easier to do. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, is does it have the ability to pass sound through so that you could just generate everything on the cart and not use the chip on the Virtual Boy? So that answers yeah. that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be neat yeah, to see like the them. MSU1 style mods to have original soundtracks, you know, swapped over to that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be awesome to do that. There are chips, you know, you can put down it. We have this kind of laundry list of, so uh, one of the members of the VIEW team, George um, and I are very frequently go back and forth and build this huge laundry list of stuff we want to see. And I don't think you could make a cart big enough that would hold everything, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we you know, trade ideas quite often on, on that kind of stuff. And the audio is one that basically he really wants to see because it would make his life easier as a software developer. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how that would uh, affect use on emulation uh, for people to try to, because, you know, if you're inventing a new virtual chip, if you will, it'll work fine on your cart. But what about people that use emulation? It would just have to update the emulators, right? Yeah, it would break that, you know, any, I think any custom hardware that is probably, you know, doesn't exist currently, it would, it would break that. I don't know what they would do there. Yeah, adding that feature to a software emulator is going to be way easier than a lot of the other things that we've discussed. Not easy, just easier. Probably. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I can say that as a hardware guy. Sure, the software guys can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, I, every time, you know, I'm a hardware guy too, so every time I talk about software stuff, I just assume everything falling out of my mouth is like a thousand hours worth of work. So I always try to step <laughs> carefully because it's like, Hey, yeah. it seems easy. Yeah. Why don't you just put that in the game? Like, ah, oh, screw yeah. you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, easy to say, but you people can have their wish list. I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you like yeah, this course. for a while and uh, it just, I, I keep forgetting yeah. and it it's getting worse. The people that I've known for the longest period of time, like I talk to them on a regular basis and then somebody will be like, hey, how come you never interviewed Kevin? And I'm like, oh, of course I already mm. interviewed. Oh, shit. I never interviewed Kevin, yeah. did I? <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Sorry yeah. for the delay. Glad we finally got around to having a chat though. Oh, yeah. No problem. I mean, we, we've talked about it many times. It just hasn't happened. Time time goes by fast these days, it seems like. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Um, as yeah. always, all of your projects and all of the products that you put out are get writ up, written up on Retro RGB. Uh, so I'll keep everybody in the loop of all of those pre-sales. However, if you want Thanks. more, um, you know, more direct info, more up-to-date news. Uh, I'm subscribed to your Patreon and you you post pretty regularly on there. So anybody that mm-hmm. wants to support your projects first and foremost, or also just wants more up-to-date info on the stuff that you're working on, I would strongly recommend that they, that they subscribe to your Patreon and get all that info. So. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. It was great talking to you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again. And uh, hopefully the next time I talk to you, we'll be uh, live streaming, you know, Mario Tennis two player over Wi-Fi across the country. I hope so too. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yep. (laughs) 